This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Rooker, it's a fly ball to deep center. Robert going back at the track. He will turn and watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. Dolis Garcia sends on the other way. That sends Carroll back. a good Glaber. Torres is there. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to stuff plus <laughs> to walk-off dingers, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Martin Gallegos, who covers our team, better than anybody on MLB.com. Biggest battle or the battle in spring training that you're most interested in? Well, I think uh, third base is just so up in the air that, um, you know, it could really be anybody. Um, You know, and Aletimus Diaz, we just found out, has a groin strain. You don't know how severe that is, but, um, you know, he was part of that mix. Uh, Jordan Diaz got some time last year. didn't do that great. It was kind of up and down for him. He had some highlights like that Yankee Stadium three homer game, but pretty inconsistent. We're seeing Daryl Hernandez get some time at third base, and um, it seems like they like him over there. Uh, so he's going to get a really strong look there. But I mean, I'd say in terms of you know the rotation, the fifth spot also is, is an intriguing one. There's a lot of names there, but third base is just I don't think anybody really knows how that's going to play out right now. I don't think there's anybody kind of in the lead for that spot at this moment. Yeah, I know a lot of people still like Brett Harris. They think that uh, he could be a traditional type third baseman. Hernandez intrigues the heck out of me. Got to see him when the ball club was over in Camelback Ranch against the Dodgers, then got to see him again uh, over a good year. And I'm very impressed with his athleticism. And if he is to play third and Nick Allen plays short, do you kind of get the sense? Because we all know Matt Chapman really is a shortstop who got moved to third base. He moves like a shortstop. He's got the athleticism, the feet of a shortstop. And if we remember back how great the left side was Simeon and Chapman, I'm not saying we can resurrect that and have that again, but something similar defensively when you look at terrific athletes, if you had Hernays play third, talk about the athleticism you'd have on the left side of Nick Allen and Hernays patrolling the left side. Yeah, definitely. I think um, both those guys, you mentioned are very athletic. Um, they really, you know, Eric Martin's infield coach has been working really hard with Hernandez over there at third base. They like how he's looking there. They liked how he evolved as a shortstop last year. It seemed like he really took a step forward in the minors. Um, so, yeah, I mean, on this team, I mean, defense is going to be super important, uh, you know, for the pitching staff to be able to get as many outs as they can, um, relying on their, on their defense and uh, to have a strong left side of the infield. I think, if you were to look at the guys in camp right now and kind of plot out, you know, what's our strongest left side of the infield, you know, Brett Harris is a really good defender as well, but um, he might be, you know, being a non-roster guy, it might be a little tough for him to break camp, but Hernandez already on the 40 man. I think of the 40 man guys, those are probably your two best defenders on the left side for sure. You know, when I think about Jordan Diaz, I brought this up the other day because on the broadcast, they were talking about how he's young 
And I go, yeah, his birth certificate says he, he's young, but his baseball years don't say that. He's been pro, he's been a pro since he was 16. He's had an extreme amount of at-bats. He's had 2,400 at-bats from the time he was 16. He's had a whole bunch of, of international at-bats, but he's had a whole bunch of minor league at-bats. He's now had a lot of big league at-bats. They always say 1,500 at-bats. You got to be ready to rock. He's at 2,400. I just I wonder. Yes, he's 23 years old. The birth certificate says he he's young. Just where do you weigh in on that? These guys who signed internationally and they play a whole heck of a lot. And at some point you have to go, man. I mean, how many at bats you going to give them before you call them young? Three thousand at bats. Yeah, no, it is it is it is tough. He is getting to that point where you kind of have to see it. Um, you know, last year, I mean, he's always hitting the minors like at every level, right? There's nothing else to prove there for him. It's not like you know, he needs any more seasoning. Um, it's just about doing it at the major league level. I mean, we've seen, you know, cases like this on the A's before. I think back to a guy like Franklin Barreto, you know, who had all that potential. And then um, he would hit at every level and just didn't get it done at the at the major league level. Um, Jordan Diaz, you know, I don't think he's gotten a, an ex- true extended look. He got a lot of time last year. I think that was probably his, his, the longest look that he got at third base. But there's still was a few other guys in that mix as well, like Jonah Bride, Kevin Smith, Vladimir getting some times over there. So, um, you know, I think this spring is important for him. I mean, defensively, he's, you know, definitely a step behind from his offense. I mean, if he's going to make the majors, it's going to be because of his bat. So I think he's going to have to really prove this spring, like really stand out with the bat if he wants to make this team. I mean, if it's down to say him and like Daryl Hernandez, and they're both hitting, you know, similarly, I think you got to go with Hernandez just because his defense is so much better. But, um, you know, there's a lot of potential there uh, with Jordan, but uh, he's got to prove it at the major level. I mean, there's nothing, nothing else to say about that. Well, I'll go on record right now and said, if Jordan Diaz was good defensively, he would be one of those players where I would say, you got to play him every day and give him an opportunity. Cause yes, I want to see if that bat can play. Cause I'm cool. If I know where the the team's not going to win a lot of games, I'm cool. And I said it last year, you got to find guys for the future. And that's, these at-bats and these innings are key now to see if these guys can play. I would be cool with saying, Jordan Diaz, you're the starting third baseman. I'm throwing you into the deep end of the pool. You got to rock. But as you just said, he's not good defensively. He's not great athletically. He doesn't run real well. That's part of the problem. Like, if he was good defensively, I would be cool with just saying, right now, you're my third baseman. Go get it. Taking the pressure off, off you. You know you're in the lineup every day. But when you're bad defensively, you can't do that. Yeah, and last year, you know, obviously they worked really hard on trying to improve his defense. And there was a stretch where it looked like he looked a little better at third, but then it seemed like he kind of regressed, and then it got bad again. And um, you know, again, like I said, we said on this team, you need to have you need to have a strong infield defense. Um, you know, you're not going to be blowing teams out. You're not to you know play sound defense, get good pitching. And um, Jordan Diaz at third right now, it just you know, he hasn't had a, a, a ton of looks at spring this year. I, I can't, you know, give like a good assessment on if he's improved or not. Um, that'd be something to probably ask uh, Eric Martins. I'll probably go to him at some point, see how he's looking there. But um, definitely last year, how he looked at the end of the year, it was clear that they, he needed to make some improvements, you know, with the glove, um, you know, if he's going to have a chance to really solidify himself as a major leaguer. All right. This works for a lot of different players. Mitch Spence threw at Ho-Ho Cam, and I try and tell people how spring training works. They allow us to go down and talk to pitchers after they get done. So you, 
John Shea, our national baseball writer for the Chronicle, and myself, we all went down to talk to Mitch Spence. And you guys were talking to him about the stuff that you needed for your article. And then I just asked him, you know, about the Rule 5 stuff. And he said something very poignant. I want to make it tough on the front office. I want to. I want them to have to make a tough decision. And I was like, yes, that's what I want to hear. There's so many guys. I think of J.J. Bladé. I think of Lawrence Butler. I think of Joey Estes. I, there's all these different players that, you know, can they make the team? Will they not make the team? Obviously, being a Rule 5 guy for Mitch Spence is a lot different. But don't you like hearing that from these young guys going, I want to make it tough on David Force and everybody else, the same way Brent Rooker did to them last year. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, if they're not feeling that way, I think there's there's a problem, you know, because there's so much competition here um, for, like we said, multiple spots, whether it's in the rotation or at third base. And I think you got to have the mentality of, hey, you know, I'm going to go out there and try to take it. I'm not just going to you know, show up here and be happy to be here. There's there's a legitimate chance here that you probably are not going to get with most other teams in spring. You know, a lot of other teams have these rosters pretty much set and they're kind of the young guys that they have in camp are kind of just here to get a look and then they're going to start the year at the minors. These guys, I mean, there's so many young guys here who could potentially make this team out of spring training, um, you know, based on performance. Performance is going to matter a lot in the spring. There there are more, more set positions this year than last year, obviously, but um, there's definitely still a chance for a lot of these guys who are in big league camp who maybe um, you didn't think, uh, you know, last year would, would have a chance or, or in, you know, spring training and they're going to get a chance. If they perform in the Cactus League. They could make this team. There's no, it's not out of the question that any of these guys can make it. Tyler Soderstrom, I mean, to be fair, recently in a game, he struggled defensively. He really struggled defensively. Um, obviously, he's trying to figure it out. We, we know he's an elite, hopefully, elite, an elite bat someday. What do you think is going to happen with Tyler to start the season? I think they're, I think they're, the plan right now is for him to be the backup catcher. Um, I think it seems like based on the amount of uh, you know reps he's getting in these games, it's him and Shea. Obviously, Shea is the everyday guy, but you know there's an opportunity for Tyler to get a lot of at bats there. Being left-handed bat, you could, I guess, somewhat platoon it. I don't know if it'd be a straight platoon, but um, you know you could also get him in at DH and, and get him some at bats there. But um, you know, that game, you know, you mentioned that game against, I think it was against the Dodgers. It wasn't, it wasn't great behind the plate. You know, he had some, some struggles there and it kind of looked like last spring training when he was getting some reps back there. And then he obviously started out the year at the, at the minors. Um, he did seem to get better as the year went along, it, it sounded like. And then they came into this camp, you know, feeling really confident about his, his you know, defense. Now it's grown behind the plate. You know, we asked Tatsa, you know, are you comfortable just starting the year with him as your backup catcher? He said, yeah, I mean, we, since last year when he came up and we saw what he did uh, working with the pitchers and over that last month or so, uh, we you know, were fully confident that he could do this at the major league level and, and on a consistent basis. So it doesn't sound like there's any you know, position changes for him or anything. I think a lot of people you know, thought for a long time that this guy's going to move off catcher eventually to first base or maybe another spot. But I don't see any you – know, he hasn't gotten any reps at first base that I've seen. It's been straight catcher. So I think the plan for him is to enter this season – as their backup catcher. I think he's definitely the leading candidate to be the backup to Shea. Yeah, Ryan Noda kind of changed all of that. Mm -hmm. Once Ryan Noda started getting on base and playing good D, all the talk about Soderstrom playing first base just went out the door. So how they handle him, and at some point, you know, he's still he is still young. You want him to get a lot of at-bats. Uh, going to the bullpen, 
Mason Miller, obviously, we keep hearing about backfields and controlled yeah. situations and everything. Um, obviously, they're going to have kid gloves with him, bringing him along. If I was to ask you a question, the guy that's going to get a lot of the save opportunities and his name is not Mason Miller, who would you pick? That's a tough one. If it's not Mason Miller... I would think Danny Jimenez would get the first crack at it. Um, I think they, you know, they liked him in that position where when they had him in there a couple of years ago. The one thing with him is, you know, you kind of always have to assume he's going to get hurt because the last few years he has been getting hurt a lot, and that's kind of been his one thing. He goes into the season, you know, looking pretty good, and then all of a sudden, you know, he has some type of issue that that caused him to land on the IL. But I would think he would get the chance. I mean, Trevor Gott is always the guy that they throw in the mix there. Um, I would have thought Lucas Ursig, just based on what he did last year, might get a, a, a chance there. His name hasn't really come up in that closer mix, but he definitely has the stuff to do it. Uh, I think he's only pitched in one game so far this spring. He looked good. The velocity looked good, but, you know, he'll get more chances. But I think you you want to have a guy who can, you know, throw hard back there, obviously. I mean, we, I mean, I think that's without question. Um, just comes down to command. I think, but Mason Miller is like, if you get that guy's velocity with the command that he has, I mean, it's pretty much a no-brainer if you, to try to make him the closer. But, again, also, I think he's going to make his Cactus League debut tomorrow, I think, and surprise. So, um, you know, the injuries are always a concern with him until he proves it for a full year that he can stay healthy. Yeah, because let's just say back-to-back. I mean, I don't know if we're going to really see Mason Miller, at least early in the season. Let's say the A's have two wins and two games they need to close out. I don't know if we're going to see back-to-back. There's no way he's going to go three days in a row. So someone's going to have to step up and be that guy. Uh, I am intrigued. Like, like it's like, release the Kraken. I want to see. I mean, how bad? I want to see what this looks like. I want to see 102, 103, nasty slider, because that's all he's going to need. I mean, aren't you really looking forward to see what it looks like, Mason Miller coming out of the bullpen? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you saw him last year in his starts. He was hitting 102, 103, and then you wonder, like, if he's going one-inning stints, is, is that, like, is the beetle going to go up even more? I mean, what's, what's he going to throw? Like, in one inning, knowing he's only going to go out there for one inning, he's just going to rev it up? I mean, um, it's, it's always fun to watch him. I mean, and you just you, – you hope, you hope that he can stay healthy, and that's always – you know, I don't know if that's ever going to not be a concern with him, it's just the, the way he is, but, um, you know – he can, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he turns to a dominant closer. He has the stuff for it. It's just about staying healthy. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him pitch just this spring and seeing kind of how he, how he handles knowing that he's going to be a reliever and not kind of building himself up as a starter. Well, I screwed up when I interviewed him. So we had him. He was one of our first interviews that we had when we arrived down there in Mesa. And I forgot to ask him, and maybe you can find this out, Every closer's got to have some type of theme song coming in. You got to be rocking the whole deal. Like, we got to find out. See if you can find out if if he's even thought about. You know, you're coming in to close this thing out. It's got to be a production. You got to have a song. Oh, yeah. yeah, you got to have the lights going and everything. It's, it's got to be a whole thing. We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask him what song he's thinking about. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he's thought about it. all these. All these guys, they might not tell you they're thinking about it, but they think about that stuff. Oh, of course he's thinking <laughs> about it. Are you kidding me? Everybody, all these young guys are thinking about this stuff. They think about their walk-up songs. He's got to yeah. be thinking about it. Yeah, for sure. That that'll that'll probably be a, a at some point in the spring story. Mason Miller's closer song. That that'll be one of the on, it's on the list for sure. 
So I was there when we were all talking to Kotze before the game, and he missed it, mentioned Ross Stripling in the nail. And everybody kind of looked around and went, really, here we go again. Because of Paul Blackburn in the nail. Can we get somebody to, to do pedicures? <laughs> I mean, what, what do we need to do to fix Oakland A's pitcher's nails? Yeah, it is weird. It is weird the amount of uh, finger issues, fingernail issues that have been, you know, surrounding this team. Seems like every spring some guy has it. Yeah. Fingernail. We're talking guys can't play because <laughs> of fingernails. Yeah, I don't know what it is. But uh, he did. He did. I did ask him about it this morning. He said stripling through, I, I believe, in a sim game yesterday and everything went fine. So I think they're just kind of mapping out where, where he's going to, you know, pitch an actual Cactus League game. I think he said in three days or so. He wasn't sure of the schedule. So. We'll probably have more information on that, you know, post game or tomorrow. But it sounds like he's fine. It, it sounds like it wasn't a, a big issue, which is a relief because we saw with Blackburn last year, we thought it was a minor issue, and then it ended up costing them over many months until he actually came back to the team. So, as of right now, it doesn't seem like it's it's on that level, which is good. All right, so let's just say everything works out great. Normally, it doesn't. That's just what happens. We're dealing with human beings. Guys get hurt. Things happen. But let's just say it all works out, and all of a sudden, you know, you got J.P. Sears, who's emerged as a guy that you think can give you 30 starts again. Paul Blackburn's finally healthy. You got Wood. You got Stripling. Well, that's four. Over here, as you mentioned earlier, the number five spot, you know, with Boyle and Estes and Medina. And, I mean, it's like a for the first time, the A's got a nice problem that they got a lot of starters. Fran Reardon's going to have a pretty good staff down there with the Las Vegas Aviators. Who do you think, I mean, it's still early to tell, I get it, but who do you think probably will be that number five guy? And then and then just talk about the guys waiting in the wings. There's, there, that, there is a, there's a, there, let's just say depth for the first time in a while. Yeah, I mean, coming in, I said Joe Boyle. Uh, he came out that first outing and looked phenomenal. And so he's, he's going to pitch again today, so. I would still stick with Joe Boyle as, as my pick for the number five guy, but Luis Medina is coming in with a really good mentality. Uh, yeah, we talked to him yesterday, and, and he's just – it seemed like he really focused this offseason. Uh, he hired a nutritionist. He was, he was on a really good uh, program out there in the Dominican Republic, and um, you know he came in looking in really good shape, stronger, uh, kind of setting up for the durability that it takes for a full season. Kotze mentioned him early on in his bullpens that his command looked a lot better than it did last year. Yesterday, he did. I think he walked a guy, but he, he looked good. His fastball was up to, 10, I think, 101 he touched a couple times. So he's intriguing as well. I mean, th- that thing's still going to play out for a while, but I think Luis Medina has that mentality that this team really likes. I know Kotze really likes him. And the thing with him is he's actually out of minor league options, so he's got to make this team. Um, Kotze did say that he could be a reliever if he doesn't make it out of the bullpen. Um and, you know, like you said, they're going to need more than five starters. I mean, they're not going to get through a full season with, with just five guys. But I would think Medina has to make this team because if he gets, you know, on waivers, he's going to get snatched up in a second. Um, but I would say Boyle right now. I think with Joey Estes, he looked really good in his last outing. He's going to pitch again today. Um, he's He's got a really competitive mindset as well. I think just given how young he is, though, he you could see him start. He's one of those guys that could start at AAA um, in that rotation and kind of headline it and then, if he does well and there's a need for him, you know, early on, you could see him come up. Um, that's just my thought. I mean, he could just blow everybody away over the next four weeks and, and force his way onto this team. But I would say right now he's probably a guy who maybe you see start down there. I mean, Kyle Muller is out of options as well, and he's kind of revamped his whole, uh, you know, wind up, it seems like. Crazy to think of where he went from, you know, opening day started last year to trying to fight, fight his way onto this team. But 
Um, he seems to be trying to, uh, you know, fix some things that he was doing wrong last year. And early on, the A's have liked, you know, they worked with him closely. He's out of options. So um, he's going to have to, you know, have a decision made on him as well. Can he be a long guy in the bullpen? But then I mean, you go down the list, you know, Ken Waldachuk's going to come back at some point, And he's yeah. the guy who probably would have been the number five guy if he was healthy. Um, it seems like he's, you know, re- his rehab's going well. He won't, he'll probably pitch bullpens towards the end of spring. You know, so at some point he's going to come back on this team and then you're going to have you know even more decisions to make. But again, over these next four weeks, you know, somebody could get hurt. Somebody, you know, anything could happen. You hope not. But I mean, we've seen this every year. I mean, you kind of always expect coming into spring training that somebody's going to go down with something. But it is a lot better position than they were in last year, without a doubt. I mean, so much depth that they have to lean on this spring. Um, and all these guys are competing with each other for that spot. I think it's only going to make them better. The guys who don't make this, uh, you know, rotation out of, out of opening day, you know, they'll go down to AAA and form a pretty good rotation down there, it seems like. Yeah, and Mitch Spence, rule Mitch five Spence. Guy, Yeah, right? I, I, I totally left him out. Yeah. yeah, he's okay. got to make this team too. I get it. All the noise, everything else, anything you read about the A's, no one wants to write about the players. Any any project, like anything when they, MLB.com, whatever we see, the, the one thing for every team, everything is never, it's never about the team. I got the sense when I was there, the chip on the shoulder, these guys are tired of all of this. I think this team is going to be, it's not going to be light years better. But I think they're going to be a lot better. That 50 wins, I see that over and under. We've seen it 55 and a half, 56 and a half. I think this team is going to be far better. You've been around them for a long time, uh, and you've been around this team so far this spring. What are, what are the vibes you're getting for the overall season? Do you feel that this team is going to be far better than people think? I think so. And, I mean, I've gone around to guys and mentioned the, the win total that they had, like, 56 and a half set. And they kind of, like, are shocked. Like, what? Like, what is going – like, they think we're going to win 56 games. So, it definitely uh, – I think it's a motivating factor, without a doubt. I mean, you talk to guys like Lawrence Butler and Zach Geloff, I think they all feel like, you know, this team, because of the outside stuff that's gone on with this team, I think they kind of just overlook who's on this team. The, the young guys that came up last year who, you know, have some promise and – and the additions that they made this year, I think everyone just looks at the A's and thinks, well, they're, they're a mess. You know, they don't know where they're going to play next year. And, then, and you know, they're, they're not even to be taken seriously. But inside that clubhouse, you know, they kind of saw what they did last year. That last month, they played their best uh, month of baseball. Those guys got their feet wet last year who came up from the minors who were, you know, considered some of their, you know, top prospects. They're all going to come in to, you know, opening day on this roster with that experience. Um, and so they feel like they're going to be a lot better this year. I mean – I'm not going to put a you know win total on it, but I think to say that they're going to win 56 games, I I don't see that. I think they're going to definitely win a lot more games. You just just the additions they made on the pitching side alone, it just seems like it's so much more. It's going to be so much more stable um, than it was last year, and that was really their their what led to that rough start that they had. That the starting pitching just fell apart, and it was just kind of a snowball effect into the relief side, and it was just all bad. But um, they definitely seem to be. Uh, more prepared this year, and those guys they, who came up last year got their feet wet. So I think we're going to see a lot better baseball this year, without a doubt. All righty. Best burrito in Arizona. There's a hole-in-the-wall place in Mesa called uh, Tortas El Chavo. It's really good. It's right by the uh, stadium, maybe like five minutes from here. There's also Tacos Chihuas in uh, Phoenix. Really good spot. I rec- highly recommend it. Those are my two spots out here for sure. 
The man is on a mission to find the best burritos in the United States of America. <laughs> Fact or fiction? It is. Uh, you know, over over the past couple of years, I've kind of reduced my consumption of burritos. You know, as you <laughs> get a little older, you 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 want to you know watch your diet a little bit better. But I still I still definitely indulge in burritos pretty frequently. Zach, it's great to have you on. How is life treating you and how's the health? Yeah, it's good. Finally healthy. Uh, looking forward to a good spring. Uh, it was a good off season, got married. Um, so it was eventful, but you know, it's that time of the year, ready to be back and, you know, ready to get going. You know, we, we Kyle Moeller, uh, Nick Allen, now you. Yeah. Quite a few of you guys got married this off season. Yeah. JP got married. Uh, there was one other we were just talking about, but. Yeah, Mason. So, yeah, it seems like almost the whole staff got married. So, yeah, it's nice. It's a life changer, man. It's like all of a sudden you realize, you know, there's more than just you. Yeah, yeah, it definitely makes a change, but uh, for the better. So it's going well. All right, so last year we as a group, we did this pool, and we did all these predictions. Who's going to hit the most home runs? Who's going to have the most RBIs? Da, 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 da. And it came to who's going to have the most saves. Who do you think I went with? I'm going to guess me if you're bringing it up. I went with you because <laughs> that's, that's what I believe in your stuff. Mm. And I thought at some point you would win the closers role and you'd be that guy. And unfortunately, because of injuries, that didn't happen. What happened? And take us through the process of, of what happened last year with you physically. Yeah. So, I mean, was feeling great. Uh, we had played in Kansas City. Um through back-to-back there, went to New York, and, um, you know, we weren't really in those games, so got the entire series off, and then threw against Texas in that next home series, and uh, just woke up the day after I threw, threw like an inning and change, and, you know, just had like some elbow uh, soreness, and just went in to get treatments, gave me the day, whatever, and, uh, you know, wasn't anything crazy, wasn't anything, you know, super painful, but it was almost one of those things where it's like, this is just different than anything I'd ever felt, and, Anyway, through a game against the Diamondbacks, I could tell I was just doing everything I could to get any kind of velocity behind it. Um, you know, anyway, so I ended up, you know, go ahead and talking to the doc and, um, you know, having him look at that. And, you know, his advice was you're going to need to take, you know, at least a few weeks off. Um, so I ended up taking some time. I uh, was supposed to be back by late July. Ended up pushing into, like, early August, just, you know, the rehab schedule, how that goes. Um, no setbacks or anything, but was feeling great. And then right about the time I was about to get activated in August, uh, my appendix was about to rupture. And they told me there's really nothing you can, I guess, like, avoid doing this. Like, yes. you're, you're going to have to go get surgery. So it was, you know, pretty brief. I felt real sick uh, on an off day we had in rehab. Came in the next morning, and we were just kind of casually talking, telling them, oh, yeah, my stomach's just feeling really tight. And then... Had our trainer feel around. He was like, yeah, you're going to need to go to the hospital. And quick process. I mean, two hours later was, you know, put under, took it out. But then it was like uh, three weeks of, you know, no activity. And then obviously when it gets to, you know, mid-August and you're dealing with that, it's like three weeks, no activity, and then doing another throwing program. It's like you're not going to be ready till you know, basically October. So uh, obviously that ended it for me. Um, you know, nobody more frustrated than me that it ended up being that way. It's, it's not a fun time, you know, just sitting in the stadium, you know, seeing your boys out there grinding and, you know, you can't do anything to help and you're just, you know, you feel like you're worthless, but, you know, coming back this spring, uh, even the off season, obviously the emphasis, you know, last two years have been just whatever I can do to be healthy. Um, I feel like <clears throat> confidently wise, you know, I, I feel like I can compete in the league. Um, 
you know, I, I, I haven't questioned myself on that in the last year or so since I got up there. But, uh, you know, obviously the, you know, project this year, just stay on the field. I mean, that's pretty basic. Because we kept asking David Force, when's he going to be back? When's he going to be back? And he kept us, and, and I hear you on the appendix. My, when I was a kid, my appendix burst. Okay. And I was out for a long time. So it's, uh, it, it's a scary thing. So, But you know what? I'm going to go back to where I was last year at this time. Last year when we talked to you, the confidence that I know you have, when you have control and you have your stuff, you're electric. And I, I still believe you have the ability to have closer-type moments, closer-type stuff. And it, it makes me think, if everybody starts rounding into form and we start looking at this bullpen, and we've already had Mason Miller on, we've already had Lucas Ursig on, now we're having you on, we're now looking at a group of men who all of you have the ability to close, which means you guys all have the ability to lock it down basically from the sixth inning on. I, I like that. I, I mean, I, I once again, I'm trying to tell everybody, and it's going to sound like a broken record, this team is better than you think. All the outside noise, don't listen to it. It's about what happens on the field. I mean, uh, you tell me. I, I'm kind of getting bullish on this bullpen. Yeah, I mean – for us, obviously, we have all the confidence in ourselves, but, you know, being able, I guess if there's one positive side to being able to watch last year, you you look at guys like Lucas who, you know, first time in the big leagues get, you know, the opportunities were obviously plentiful last year, and he got the whole year to sit there, uh, <clears throat> go through the ups and downs, obviously the stuff with him. You don't see stuff like that anyway. I still can't believe that we just got him, you know, and in the I middle of the season. And I mentioned Danny, for God's sakes. Obviously, yeah, right, Danny. Yeah. yeah, Danny's – you know, obviously healthy when he's healthy, he's been, you know, as good as anybody back there. Um, obviously everybody knows what Mason can do um, and him making that transition back there. So we're, we're excited. We know what we have bringing in, you know, Scotty Alexander is going to be great too. I think that, um, you know, that was so, so nice in the past having mole, what he could do for from the left side and bringing in a guy who can do that same thing for, you know, pretty righty heavy bullpen um, to come in there or if there's, um, you know, a lot of lefties coming up and to have him back there have the veteran presence back there because I think that's something we've always had when we're here for, you know, the guys who don't have as much time and helping them make that process into the league. But, you know, I know it's it, it's it been as frustrating for us as anybody how the last couple of years have gone. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I just think from the outside, maybe they don't realize how much growth there is in experience. Um, I think a lot of times people write it off as like, oh, you know, a lot of the same guys are going to be on the team, you know, that maybe has struggled the last couple of years. But it, I think it is important to look at the growth because you look at a lot of guys who have come up, become really good players in this league that struggled right when they got here. Um, you know, I think it's an important aspect that a lot of guys got that experience the last couple of years. And, yeah, we're a lot more confident than people probably give us credit for and, you know, expect a lot out of ourselves. Sometimes you learn when you sit and watch. It sucks. It sucks. I know. Mm. But sometimes you learn. Did you learn anything by sitting and watching and watching the game, watching your teammates, watching the other team, thinking of yourself in your game? Was there anything that you possibly learned? Yeah, I think a lot of it, uh, you know, comes down to one, learning your team. I, I think a lot of that, um, you know, goes down to come back in the locker room. But like I said, a lot of new guys in that bullpen. So it's like you want to know these guys, see maybe what their thought process excuse me, thought processes um, going into their games and how they control themselves, what their mindset is on different hitters, um, you know, getting to talk to whoever's down in the bullpen coaching-wise and getting to understand, you know, having Trevor May down there, who's a, 
you know, a big analytical mind. So when he was down there, you know, I wasn't available to pitch. It was just kind of seeing his approach, and he stayed in the game for, you know, nine-plus years. So it's like you see guys like that, and it's almost figuring out how to take that approach because obviously you can't help on the field. So it's like I want to do something here, if not anything, when I come back next spring, maybe pick up something. So I think a lot of it was just maybe learning that thought process, um, maybe how some other guys take it, and, you know, day by day just trying to pick up something new, um, you know, trying to apply that to my game this year. So when you were healthy, things were going good last year. So what have you thought about keeping it rolling, or have you worked on some extra stuff, refined? What have you done this offseason? Yeah, I think the main thing, if there's anything added, it's uh, it's definitely getting my changeup more in play. Um, you know, for me, obviously control is my thing with me. I confidence in my stuff is, has never really lacked, but there has been an idea of, okay, these hitters are really good here. You know, make sure you take that confidence into every at-bat. Um, I think making sure that I add that change-up <coughs> in and uh, using that honestly a lot against righties. Um, a few guys in this league who I feel like you get you get on the mound and you know the guys that see you a little bit well um, better than other guys in the league, and that seems like to be a weapon for me looking at my analytics that – Going to try out this spring, um, you know, really experiment with that. But as far as, like, to keep it rolling, like I said, this is different than my rookie year where, um, you know, maybe you get a few outings in. You're still like, ah, you know, I've done well, but I don't know if it's sustainable. Being able to say that, you know, I felt pretty good about my results for two years for the confidence side really helped. There is the aspect that, you know, I haven't gotten to pitch in a game since, you know, mid-May of last year. And so, if anything, there's a lot more excitement, um, you know, I obviously am just a huge adrenaline guy, and that's not hard to come by, you know, when it's been that long facing hitters. You know, I'm itching to just get in the game just to, you know, just feel the rush again. Um, yeah, from the confidence side, it's definitely something that I'm taking into this year is that I, I know my stuff um, has had success when I've been able to harness it and, you know, just being able to roll it into this year. Speaking of harnessing it, you know, there's sometimes when you don't <laughs> harness it, but you know what I call it, especially on the post-game show? Effectively wild. Yeah. Effect, you can be effectively wild. You still get guys out. There's something about when you throw hard and you have electric stuff, you might get into some bad counts, but you got the good stuff to get it out. So we call it effectively wild. I'll take that. Yeah, it sounds uh, <laughs> complimentary. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, man, I, I, it's the college football scene is just it's literally out of control. Yeah. And when Florida State basically had all these guys say we're not playing but you're paying you're not paying them mm-hmm. right they're paying them the nil money and it's almost like are we getting to a point to where we're gonna have to have like pro contracts that if i'm paying you forces you to play in the bowl game it forces yeah. you like and then now of course the sec <laughs> you're taking on oklahoma and texas usc ucla going to the big 10 all the different Pac-12 teams now going into the Big 12. Oregon State, Washington State, Washington State are now the big or the Pac-2. Yeah. What the hell is going on? Man, I have no idea that everybody it's kind of funny cuz I have buddies who are still on the coaching side of things in college and What are they saying? You know, the hardest part they say for them is a lot of times when they're, you know, trying to be the coach, do their job, something that they're passionate about, but you have players who are making more than them, and it's like, who, you know, who are you going to tell me what to do? I know you're here for me, but you know, you kind of ha- still have like the, uh, you know, the the coaches with a little bit more of a, 
authority side to him and say like pro ball where it's like hey i need you in order i need you to learn how to be a man now and he said that part has gotten a lot harder um just because kids are making a lot of money now and uh kind of feel like they're in charge of things but you know i'll be curious to see where it goes i think they'll end up regulating in a few years and i don't know how i don't know if you make it you know like incentive laden deals uh, i feel like that's the only good idea i've heard that's like players have to meet x amount of requirements yeah. to get their full amounts but either way it's good I, i'm glad to see you know players getting paid especially the ones you know you have obviously your players over the years who have brought good money into schools but it's definitely i think going to take something over the years to kind of rein it in but as far as you know college football goes I, i'm excited for the playoffs now you know I, I know that a lot of people think that it's going to be some wasted football games but more football is always a good thing i mean I don't, always I, i've never when has playoffs ever game. hurt sports yeah right when the ncaa basketball tournament kept growing mm -hmm. and the tv money got bigger and the ratings got bigger right it just proved to everybody you can't tell me something that's good you make it bigger it's not gonna work right right yeah. more nba playoffs nhl playoffs baseball playoffs nfl playoffs i don't see where it has ever gone wrong yeah well on top of that you talk about you know people opting out and things like that it's like when well, i you got as opposed to four teams who you know those kids are not going to want to yeah. opt out the competitive side of you is not going to want to opt out of a, you know a chance to win a national championship now you have 12 teams who are going to fall into that so i'm not saying it's a perfect world on you know the ability to opt out for for people who don't make that but at the same time it's like it gives more people uh, the opportunity to you know go out and play in bowl games maybe raise your draft stock and you know, see where that goes, but it's always exciting. I mean, I feel like the the evolution is going in the right direction as far as like more games, you know, widening, uh, you know, how many teams are getting in this playoff space. So I'll be curious to see it. I want a couple Hogs games this year. That big quarterback you guys had, yeah, you could not bring that guy down. Monster armor. Nick Saban goes, I've never seen a guy with this kind of body playing quarterback. Yeah, how the Hogs gonna? How are our Hogs gonna be? You know, we. Uh, Obviously did not have a That's great Arkansas, year. That's Arkansas, by the way, for you non-college football people. <laughs> yeah, did not have a great year. Yeah. Uh, it was a little disappointing. Covered Just, a lot of games, though. Yeah. we. Uh, <laughs> you lost a lot of close games. We would keep it close when we weren't expected to, which was always fun as a fan. But, you know, we're, we've been known as the heartbreak hogs, you know, for our own fans that we get it close and just a lot of times have trouble climbing that hill. But – Got Bobby Petrino back, so that's supposed to be the X factor. Uh, Just don't put him on a motorcycle. Yeah, you know, you know, maybe make sure he's under control. But uh, that's actually funny. So look <laughs> it up, non-college football yeah, fans. Yeah, I guess a lot of people probably don't know what that <laughs> even means. But uh, yeah, he—I uh, don't know—he's a great offensive mind. Uh, we needed to make a move. It, yeah. it was, you know, it it really got off the tracks last year on the offensive side. And you know, uh, as a fan, you, you want to see a little bit of offense going. I mean, I love good defensive football, but um, you know, we. We were supposed to have a really good offense. Got really banged up. Uh, it's not helping that the SEC just keeps getting better and bigger and, you know, that whole deal. But uh, I'm excited. Always excited to, to see what we roll out there. It'll be a new, younger team this year, so I guess we'll see. All right. I want you to remember, last year we had this whole thing. We filled it out. Most home runs, RBIs, <laughs> highest average. Who's going to? Now, it was chalk. Everybody stolen bases went Ruiz. I went yeah. somebody. I think it went Nick Allen. And when he came down and said, saves, I put your name in. Mm -hmm. I, I understand the dynamic. I almost feel like I could put your name in again. I just, I know we're a team effort here. There's no doubt about it. I have a lot of, you have, people don't understand. I say it all the time. And I only closed in college, so... But I understand. I got a few saves. And I understand with that. Ni the ninth inning's different. Mm -hmm. No matter what the – I told the other day, I said, you know what? 
yes, there's high leverage innings, and those innings matter. But if I give up two runs in the seventh, my team, if we're the home team, still has nine outs to get that back. Right. I don't have that in the ninth inning. There's a finality. There's something about it. There's a personality. As you said, pitching on adrenaline. You want it, the adrenaline junkie kind of thing. Mm. You're built for the ninth inning. So I still would feel comfortable, by the way, <laughs> putting you in there for most saves because I think that's that's something you got in you. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I'm not going to sit here and say it would be nice to be closing, but it's really nice this year knowing that we have multiple options of guys that can really do it. Like it's not, you know – dire straits as far as uh, you know who's available whatever as of right now we're healthy we got guys with really really good stuff back there um so at the end of the day i hope i just hope there's a lot of saves in general i mean you know i obviously would love to have my name inked next to a few of them but in general you know there's a lot of electric arms back there um i feel like we're in a better position than we've been in the last couple of years in that situation so hopefully there's just a lot of saves in general to go around and i think everybody will be happy with that go get them in camp stay healthy and we'll see you in oakland all right i appreciate it and we'll we'll talk some college football Absolutely, this year, no yeah. question. <laughs> we got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. <laughs> Tyler, how are you? It's been a while since we've seen you. Yeah, I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be back and ready for spring. So what is this going into this spring training like for you versus what you had done in the past? Yeah, I mean, I think it's my it's going to be my first spring where I'm here competing for a job, and uh, I think it's going to be fun, exciting. Um Love where I'm at right now. Had a great offseason. Put a lot of work in, so it's uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, because in the past it was always where where are we going to put you? What level are you going to? Yeah, it's not about the big leagues for you. Yeah, like you had you had that experience, you had that taste. How much did that change you? How much did it potentially change the way you worked out this offseason? What was that like? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, getting a taste of the big leagues has been it was great for me. Great learning experience. Uh, really opened up some eyes for me and kind of changed my mindset a little bit kind of definitely made me grow up a little bit kind of just got on a better sleep schedule started eating better body's in better shape uh so you know just kind of all those things just kind of grows you up it was a great learning experience and uh i'm glad i got to go up there and experience it for sure and uh went in the off season and made some changes and i'm ready to go what are the changes that you made just like i was saying my body um body feels a lot better uh, a couple swing changes just some a little small, and then uh, just just getting in good shape for sure. You look like you've gotten bigger. Yeah, definitely. Um, wouldn't say bigger. I think it just kind of cut a little bit of weight, a little leaner, a little faster. Uh, so that was kind of my focus going into it. Well, that you know, that's I, I talked about it yesterday. We're gonna talk about it again today, and probably for the rest of the week. Is like that's why it's so key for guys to get that experience. So. You, you get the idea, what's it, what is it like to play at the big league level? What's it like to play against these guys, to fly on the plane, to be, to be around it, to get that taste? Because it, it does change you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just like you said, all the things you just named, man, just makes you hungrier, makes you want to be there for a long time. So, uh, like, you just open my eyes a lot. Um, kind of, it was just a great experience. So, when I think about a guy like yourself, you haven't experienced a whole lot of failure, right? You dominated high school. You come in, you've done really well in the minor leagues. There was a bit of failure last year at the big league level. What was that like for you really to kind of taste that for the first time in your career? Yeah, I mean, obviously it wasn't fun. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it was uh, it was a good, like I've been saying, good learning experience. Um, kind of definitely made me grow up a little bit, uh, kind of in all aspects of life, like I've already mentioned. And then uh, just – think it was good you know I I think I needed that um 
I've struggled. I mean, I had some struggles in, in high and the first month in, in Lansing, um, but this is my kind of like first time really kind of struggling on a big stage, kind of spotlight on me. Um, so, yeah, just kind of help me mature, grow up a little bit, and just get ready for next year. It's going to make you a better player. I mean, there's no question about it. It makes you stronger, makes you think about your weaknesses maybe yeah. you hadn't really thought about, and it, and you end up correcting it, and that's how you get better. Like, all the great ones have gone through it. I yeah. mean, our game works that way, unfortunately. Sure. But, you know, when I, when I think about you defensively, the one thing that we've been looking at is we know you're a good enough athlete that there's a lot of different places that you can play. And your versatility on defense then allows you to get more at-bats. Yeah. Did you think about that? defensively did you work on multiple things maybe a little more first base or what'd you do this offseason to improve defense um you know I just catching wise like you know it's just such a grind back there that you can't really do a whole lot to kind of prepare for that you kind of got to save that towards the end just to make sure your body can hold up and withstand the the long kind of taxing schedule back there but uh first base wise you know just took some ground balls, uh, basically just basic stuff defensively. But I think the defense just kind of takes care of itself for the most part. You obviously have to put the time in, but I think the biggest part for me was getting in the weight room, kind of becoming stronger in my core, kind of doing some yoga stuff, kind of leaning out a little bit. I think that kind of helps me defensively be more athletic, and I think that'll show this year. You're still young. you got to have fun. What was fun this offseason for you? A lot of golf in the beginning, um, some hunting with some buddies from home, you know, just – it's good being home too, being around family and friends. So uh, always good to be home. Yeah, that's something that you got to disconnect. And yeah. I, 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 one thing that we see with a lot of young players is that as soon as the season's over, they they, they still are in the grind and still yeah. want to be in the weight room, still want to hit, and they want to correct everything now. It's important that you realize, you, as you said, family time. Yeah. You got to have a life also. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. I mean, I I really enjoy going home and spending time with loved ones and playing golf I definitely took like a I would say a month off of just no baseball just kind of clear the mind and uh it was good and then I kind of got back in the weight room and slowly started the process of making some changes and it was good what about this spring what about this spring training excites you about what you're gonna do yeah I mean it, you just look around the clubhouse I mean it's guys that I've played with now for three four years I mean we're really young really exciting I think we're all really hungry too we've all got a little taste of it and uh I think it's just going to be a fun year um I just you know it's going to be pretty fun to be with those guys up there competing every day and trying to win a championship I like that I like hearing that you guys have been together because last year can't happen again no definitely not last year was not fun yeah I mean that was I didn't get to experience the first half obviously but you know going up there second half and just wasn't ideal for sure yeah, so it's like this group's ready, and, and that's something that w what I've tried to tell everybody back home, because whatever the narrative is outside of here is that there's a lot of talent here, yeah. and th this group's ready to rock. Yeah, I mean, definitely tons of talent in there. Um, I mean, I've seen it, so, I mean, we're all going to come out and hopefully open a lot of eyes this year for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, everybody's looking forward to watch you grow in this spring training and be a big part of the A's in 2024. We appreciate it. Uh, you stopping by this morning, and the next time we see you, yeah. we'll be in Oakland. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on. Have a great spring. Appreciate it. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Are, are we going to be able, is A's Cast big enough to have not one, but two San Francisco Bay Area Radio Hall of Famers? I uh, guess we'll find out. I mean, we're talking legends on the mic here. 
when you talk about our own voice of the Oakland Athletics and then a man that, to me, when you think about the history of baseball, there's nobody better, nobody better than Marty Lurie. And I always love talk about going to the Negro League Museum in Kansas City, baseball museum, and you walk in there, and Marty Lurie is one of the voice of the pieces there. I'll never forget that. He and Vita Blue. I mean, you're talking about uh, legends here. Is it big enough? Ace well, Cast big enough? Well, let's find out. Let's we'll bring be able, will a frequency be able to handle it? Let's find out. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are we doing? Tony, we're just living in Marty's world. That's what it is. Well, I mean, to have both of you at the same time, I mean, I'm not joking. I mean, you look at your guys' illustrious careers, obviously, Ken, uh, what you've done in the Bay Area. Marty, from your time with the the A's, now with the Giants, both of you guys have been recognized as two of the greatest baseball voices that we've had in the Bay Area. That's why you're Bay Area Radio Hall of Famers. It's an honor to have both of you on. And I think well, when stop. I, I mean, I, I mean, seriously, I mean, growing up listening to Ken on the radio, it was one of my thrills uh, to hear him and describe the game. It was and, great. And, and have Connie Mack on the pregame show. <laughs> I had Ruth, I had Ruth Mack. Yeah. Ruth Mack Clark. I had Connie Mack's daughter on the pregame show. That I did. Well, what what people also need to know is your guys' friendship, how strong that friendship really is. Well, you know, Marty started doing games with the A's almost 30 years ago, his pregame show. 1998. Yeah, and so it's kind of started then, and it's lasted for a long time. And he, like you said, you know, his, his depth of knowledge of the game and of the history of the game is just unsurpassed. You know, Marty, last time we talked – I know you've been archiving. I mean, you've done more interviews than anybody in the history of the Bay Area when it comes to baseball. It is just like legendary, all the different greats over the decades that you have interviewed. Is there ever going to be a time where we're all going to be able just to go back? I mean, I just think about, I remember how great your relationship with like Tory Hunter became. I just, you did so many great interviews. Is there ever going to be a time where we're going to be able to go back and to listen to some of these? I think so. Uh, we're thinking about doing some uh, room somewhere uh, that could have, a lot of these have now been put on a digital disc, so to speak. And we're thinking of creating a room somewhere where someone could go with a little bit of video and listen to these digital videos uh, and interviews as well. So, yeah, it's something in the works. It really is. You know, one thing, too, about that, Tony, if I could interject, is that when I was doing the Bill King book, uh, Marty's archives were really instrumental because he had... I don't know, volumes of interviews with Bill. I did. That were just hugely, um, you know, instrumental for me as far as writing the book and doing the research. And some of the stories were just, I mean, almost literally unbelievable. Like the time <laughs> that Marty was on the field. Bill. Or Bill. Well, you could have been too. No. But the Bill, 1944 World Series. Right. Yeah. Bill King was on the field warming up Mort Cooper for the St. Louis Cardinals. What? Bill King, he was a kid then, and he was a catcher. And Bill was standing on the rail as these players were warming up. And in those days, you know, it was a little more friendly. 
And Mort Cooper said, hey, kid, come on out here. And Bill King went out on the field and warmed up with Mort Cooper in the 1944 World Series. He told me that wow. story. It was amazing. great. St. Louis Browns versus the St. Louis, St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals. Wow, yeah. that it's is stuff, man. It's <laughs> that, really good. Stuff. That is awesome. And yeah. I, I know, Ken, I, I promised you I wouldn't bring it up again, but I'm just going to do it one more time. Just one more time. <laughs> Marty, what did it mean to you when you found out that Ken Korak was on the list for the Ford C. Frick? Well, uh, so well-deserved. I've told him this for so many years. Uh, what he brings to the Bay Area, the, the beauty of the game, describing the game, uh, it's, it's what baseball broadcasting is all about. It's that voice that you welcome into your home uh, to listen to the game. It's that familiar voice. And it's so well-deserved. It's going to happen. And I, I took this up with Josh Rawwich from the Hall of Fame. <laughs> And I said, listen, we have so many great broadcasters, and Joe Castiglione, very worthy, gets the award this year. Why not put two or three in at the same time? Why does it have to be one? And now we have to wait three more years to go through an election again? It's ridiculous. And when you looked at that ballot this year with Crook and Kipe and people yeah, like why that not? on there, why not take three yeah. or four people and put them in? How about Crook and Kipe? Crook yeah. and Kipe going in together, I think. And they deserve I'm it. I'm a proponent of that. So for sure. when Ken got it, it was not a surprise. It is so well-deserved. And he is one of the great voices of Bay Area baseball history. And, Tanya, you said it. There have been so many. And you are right up there. Oh, I appreciate it. No, you are. There should be a pregame wing, pregame show wing, too. <laughs> well, I've said that before. <laughs> well, you, the pregame show, and the, first of all, nobody works harder than you, and I mean that sincerely, and I really do. Yeah, I remember one time you you, you got me to te- you got me to tears that one time, Marty. It meant so much because uh, how much respect. Well, if people don't know, Marty has been a treasure to my family from a standpoint of. Marty is always, since I got into this business and I met him, has, has sent me stuff and showed me stuff uh, about my grandfather. And I've hey, always sent that to my... Let me this. Yeah. This winter, I sent you about six or seven pictures. Correct. And I never heard from you, so uh, I assume you got them. I didn't respond. But one of the pictures was your grandfather with his two little children, which I assume one of the little girls was your mother. Correct. That was the, that was the Wheaties picture. You, you know what? I'm sorry, Marty, because when you sent that to me, I immediate everything you send to me, I immediately send to my brother and my cousin. So I always take everything you send me and send it to our family. So Good. everything that you've sent to me has meant so much, and that's why when you always say nice things about me, I get teary eyed because uh, <laughs> of of just what what you've meant to me and my family and helped us learn more. About, about my grandfather, and it was funny being over, over at Cleveland yesterday where you just start reminiscing about my grandfather hitting two home runs off Bob Feller in the 1948 World Series. Great stories. Great yeah. player. You told a great story, too, Tony, about going out to uh, center field in Cleveland where they have the plaques that memorialize the, um, the Cleveland Indians, now Guardians, Hall of Famers. Yes. And going out there, going out there with Ray. Yeah. Yeah, and how emotional that was for you. And Marty did, you know, so many, you know, 
Ray. Great pregame shows with Ray over the years that were really insightful and, and revealing, I thought, too. I got yeah. I, I to tell you guys, when we went out there, so Ray, Ray said, grab your mic, Townie, let's go. So I walked out there with them, and you see the Bob Feller statue and everything. And right next to Ray, Ray showed me Dwayne Kuyper's plaque is right there. It was the only time I was doing an interview with Ray where I actually saw Ray get emotional. And that, that plaque meant so much to him because all the years and how hard he played and how much he loved playing in Cleveland. Guys, it's the only time I ever saw on the mic Ray Fossey really get emotional. That plaque meant everything to him. Yeah, yeah I love working with Ray. What I would do with Ray, I would just give him a name. And then he would give you two or three minutes on the name. And we did that all the time. He was very, very supportive of what I did. Uh, I miss Ray every day. Every day. The other thing that you've talked about, too, is when Bill would listen to the pregame shows. Because Bill listened intently. He was working. He never missed a word on the from the time we went on the air. And how much the fact that Bill appreciated what you were doing, you know, and how much that meant to you. Look, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm a lawyer. And all of a sudden, I'm doing baseball on the radio, right? And really, and here I am in the booth, and 10 feet to my right is Bill King. And he's working away, and I've been talking about the game and talking about, about the players. And I put on interviews of players from 30 years ago that he loved. And he listened to everything I did and really gave me that validation. And then I stepped out of my lane. How, how was it when you interviewed an umpire? He didn't like umpires. I stepped out of my lane, and I interviewed an umpire. It was Jim McKeon, and he had done a, a, a no-hitter, I think, of Roy Halladay or something like that. And I put him on, and Bill, never put an umpire on ever again. All right. <laughs> then one time I said, and it was a coliseum, and I was looking at the sky, and it was gray, and we had the background. And I said, boy, it looks like an impressionism painting. And of course, I know nothing about art other than I took humanities at the University of Florida. And Bill jumped up and like looked at me like I was crazy because, of course, I didn't know what I was talking about. But having Bill there listening to me meant more to me than anything I've ever done in my life for that validation from him that, that he could think that highly of me to listen. Really. That is that. That's incredible. Yeah, because when you when, when you have it's some, true. you know, because because we can talk about great broadcasters, but when you can be great at three sports, when you're great at because the, they're all different. As Ken will tell you, all the years that Ken's done football and he's done basketball, to do the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball, and to be great at all three, there's really not many human beings who've been in in, in our medium who have ever been able to do that. Yeah, it's, I had a lot of those moments when I was working with him because having grown up listening to him, I had listened to him for 30 years before I was paired with him with the A's in 96. And he something would happen during one of our games and he'd give the big Holy Toledo and I'd flash back to, you know, Rick Barry and Nate Thurmond or something or, holy or, or a stabler to branch or the Holy Roller. And I thought, you know, I've kind of heard that. I know that I've been listening. I've heard that for 30 years, so. That was really a the best. Yeah, it makes the you best. think. And he says, Madden, get your big butt off the field. Um, I heard it the other day. They did it the other day. Oh, it's, Get yeah. your big butt off the field. He does. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so obviously the three of us all know Bob Melvin real well, and we've all had many years working with him. Marty, just what is the difference in camp now that Bob Melvin is the manager for the San Francisco Francisco Giants? I I can't tell you how big it is. Uh, I use the word accountability. He's all baseball. Uh, He's not here to protect players. He's there to teach the game of baseball to be played the right way. You ask him a question, he answers a baseball question. He doesn't ask you a question back, you know, which Gabe Kapler had the habit of doing. The camp runs with precision. It's all baseball. It's precise. If he's going to meet the media at 930, he's there at 928. Um, It's just a pleasure working with him. And he loves being back in the Bay Area. He loves it. He's a Bay Area guy. So I think the players are responding a lot more, and I think everyone is getting a fair chance, but he is on the field all the time, and it's just a total different atmosphere. If you make a mistake, he talks about it. People are accountable. It's not a country club anymore. Well, Ken, I think you know as well as anybody, as you dealt with Bob every single day, you, you've dealt with a lot of managers. There, there's not many built like Bob Melvin. No, he was great. And one of the, the best things about him was that you could ask him anything. Yeah. And I mentioned this before, Tony, that there are times when something happens that's controversial. that's going on with the ball club or off the field or someone got suspended or whatever. And he always respected the fact that I had a job to do. He said, you know what? I may not be able to answer the question directly. You know, I may have to dance around a little bit, but you can ask me whatever you want. And so I think he always respected the fact that you know, that was part of the job that we had a job to do, to at least ask those those questions. And, you know, with his staff, he, you know, he brought Matt Williams well, over, of course. Okay. And then Brian Price, who really, I think, over the years, I mean, Bo Mel's had a lot of good friends, might be his best friend yeah. in baseball. And Cal Bear, Brian, left-handed pitcher, and a 1984 Redwood Pioneer, by the way, uh, Brian Price. So that's kind of cool, full circle for him, uh, being back in the Bay Area. He's from Marin and uh, the pitching coach for the Giants this year. And the other one is Ryan Christensen. Yeah, yeah, Rhino. Uh, he loves having Rhino around, and he's running the camp, and uh, it's just a different atmosphere. It's yeah. just so much more organized, and the players are responding already. And then the A's have Wood and Stripling and Alexander. So they have three Giants. And, and uh, I, giants I, I, wish you, their staff. I wish you good luck. Thank you. Good well, luck. I think they're going to help the A's. I really think those I, three guys are going to help the A's. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't a real... That wasn't a real strong affirmation right there. Well, look, this, uh, Stripling had a tough year last year. He was good in Toronto. Uh, he's got to keep the ball in the park. That's mm-hmm. the big thing for him. Wood is a competitor. He's, he's tough. And he'll give you those four or five solid innings. Give him the ball. He's going to take it. He's going to move the game along. He's going to get some strikeouts. I like, I like both of them. But they didn't have good years last year. They no. were tough years uh, for them last they year. They weren't comfortable with the roles they were in. Stripling said think. it. No, he yeah. Stripling was very vocal about it. And once that happened, he kind of went in the doghouse. And Wood, too. 
and that was one of the issues. But I wish you the best of luck. That that that, that, that could be the that could be the theme for the Giants and the A's this year. Good luck. <laughs> Seriously, it's true. Come on, the Giants have two pitchers. Yeah. They have Logan Webb and Kyle Harrison. And, you know, Jordan Hicks throws 99, but he has really no finesse as a starting pitcher. And the other two pitchers are hurt right now. So you got to think someone on the waiver wire, Montgomery, Snell, Clevenger, Lorenzen, someone should be out there for the Giants, but we'll see what happens. But they have some, you'll see, well, you won't see him today, but uh, Jung-Ho Lee from Korea, nice player, runs, he's grandson of the wind. So, you know, with a name like that, nickname like that, you know he's going to run. He got on base yesterday and took about a 40-foot lead off first base. I said, where's he going? You know, he's he's a very aggressive player. He's in center field. Uh, Jordan Hicks is on the mound. And then, uh, you know, you've got Solaire, who lives for one thing, swing the bat. And for the Giants, that's going to be a lot of fun to see him swing the bat. You know, Marty, so many times you and I have talked about the little things and how they win games. And I think how last year, you know, the game was set up to steal bases. and The Giants only stole 57, by far the fewest in baseball. Uh, July 19th on, they had the worst offense in baseball, and they had the worst defense in baseball. So we can talk about home runs, on, but it's the little things that they didn't do last year. Will they be able to do them this year? Yeah, they tried to tighten the defense up. Uh, Nick Ahmed is here at short. I predict he'll be the shortstop on opening day. Uh, the outfield, Conforto is now in left, a little bit healthier than last year. Lee is in center. It's asking a lot. You know, you're putting him in center field at Oracle. It's got to do triples alley and everything else. So we'll see how that plays out. Yastrzemski, DHing today, has got the shoulder issue. Uh, Slater and right, a little bit better, not great. I'd like to see Chapman uh, at third. I really would. He's still out there. It's all about the money and the years and all that stuff. If Chapman could play third, Ahmed at short, Estrada at second, and Wade and Flores at first, not bad. Bailey's a pretty good catcher. But the defense killed them last year in the outfield. They couldn't catch a ball in the outfield. Now, that, that hopefully is a little stronger this year. We'll see. Marty, I want you to put your baseball historian hat on and Major League Baseball is thinking about, because they want to get the starter back to throwing more innings in the game. We would all like to see that. And maybe switching the pitching staffs from saying instead of you can have 13, you can only have 12. Do you like that idea and do you think it would work? I, You know, I, I think it's a question of teaching in the minor leagues to go deeper into a game. If you continuously limit the minor league pitcher to four innings or 60 pitches it doesn't matter how many you have on the major league staff you're not going to go back to seven or eight innings six you know that kind of staff so they have to teach that way when i see them teaching that way in the minor leagues then i'll believe it i think that's the issue that we have to deal with they just don't teach it God, we heard reports, and Ken, I know we've talked to you about this, where the Dodgers, when you go to their lower levels, their guys get maybe two, three innings a game. That's it. 
Yeah, that's the way it is, Tony. The other thing that has changed is that a lot of really good pitchers would get called up, you know, back two or three decades ago, and they'd start in the bullpen. So if you were if you were good enough to pitch and maybe you weren't quite ready to break into the rotation, then then you would start out in the bullpen and then you know you'd take over as a starter at some point down the road in your career. One thing I wanted to mention because there's so much um, talk about rules changes and things and times of games, Tony, that I like an implementation of this rule that kind of nuanced, it's not a real big change, that if you've been in the game as a pitcher and you go out to warm up to start the next inning, you know how managers would do that? They'd send the pitcher out there and warm yes. up to have no intention of keeping him in the game just to stall to bring somebody in out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. If you go out there to warm up for the next inning, you've got to stay in the game and face at least the first batter. So I, I like that. It was kind of an under-the-radar change yeah. with the rules, but I like the implementation of, of that rule for this year. Yeah, it, it's good. It, de- it deals with the pinch hitter, too. Right. You wait to see who's going to come up as a mm-hmm. pinch hitter, mm-hmm. then you change the pitcher at that right. point. Right, It's a waste of time. It is. Yeah. It's a waste of time. Yeah, I think that, totally. that's a good I like that. It, it reminds me of football <laughs> is a team scores a touchdown, kicks the extra point, we go to commercial, come out, you have the kickoff, then go to commercial again. It's it's exactly. like we're coming out of commercial and we're watching a guy warm up and then all of a sudden they announce a batter and now here comes the manager and now we're going to another two-minute commercial. I mean, it's like right. that's a waste of two minutes right there. It is. It is. So it's a good thing. It's a good move by baseball. I didn't like that extra point reference. That, that sort of broke my heart a little bit going back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I, I have – are the Niners really your team, a guy from New York? No, I'm still a Dolphin fan. You're Oh. Yeah, I grew up in Miami. So for me, it's still Don Shula and 17-0. and 0, The only perfect season. Jim Nin- Kick. The only, Jim Kick, number 41. Yeah. 19, number 39. 19, number 39. 1972, we keep popping the champagne, Marty. We keep popping the champagne. <laughs> Every year. Yep. Every year we do it. I mean, New, New England came so close, but man, to do that, I and now with more games, I, I just no one's gonna, no one's they going undefeated. The last game, unfortunately, they're not perfect. Not perfect, yeah. gentlemen. So what about the A's, Townie? Tell me something about the A's. They're gonna be something they, I don't know. They're yeah. gonna be far better than you think. This is a, and when when you think about the talent. You think about the athleticism and all of that, but what I'm sensing, Marty B, I just left camp, is that these kids are hungry and they're ready to go. They got a chip on their shoulder, and I like that with young athletes. I want them to feel a little disrespected. I want them to feel hungry. I like this us-against-the-world mentality, that old Lou Holtz, us-against-the-world. You're seeing that in the A's clubhouse, and that's far different than what we've seen the last two years. Any young player other than Geloff, who I like a lot, that I should be looking at? I think Nick Allen is going to have a much different year. Nick Allen put on some weight. He went to driveline, really has learned to use the ground as leverage and develop more power. I think Nick, and we've seen it, we've seen Nick Allen always go up a level, struggle a little bit, figure it out. Struggle a little bit, figure it out. I think Nick Allen is going to be very interesting. I I think he's a great defender. Yeah. I think just the fact that he's a great defender is going to help a, you know, can Hernandez make the club at third base, Townie? 
I've been talking about that because he may be the guy, because I know when you're talking about Aletmus Diaz and Toro and even Brett Harris, but Hernays may be the most talented. But Marty, the guy to watch who I think if he shows power early with his ability to get on base and the way he plays first base, Ryan Noda is your guy to watch. Okay. Now what about the catcher? Uh, Langoliers? Yeah, Langoliers. 25. About, who's going to be the catcher? Oh, Langoliers. Langoliers will have 25 to 30, 30 home runs this year. Now, what happened to Soderstrom? Soderstrom is not very good behind the plate. They're going to have to find a place for him. And right now, okay. DH, with DH, Brent Rooker's going to be your DH. Mix in with some Seth Brown. They're going to have to find a place. If Soderstrom's going to play every day, and if that bat turns on, they're going. He's he's athletic enough, but we've got to find out where he's going to be able to play. Okay. Now, is, how many stolen bases for Ruiz this year? He said eighty yesterday on the broadcast. Eighty? Yeah. I think he said eighty. Didn't he? All right. Didn't why not? How many did he have last year? Sixty-two. Sixty-eight. He had sixty-eight, Marty, and he got hurt. So how many? Eighty? You give him eighty this year? I think he gets eighty. Okay. I and like I. It. And I, and I think they win at least 65 games. All right. All right. This is, you know, it's all good stuff. Look, it's baseball. We're going to get a story every day. You never know what's going to happen. We never know where it's going. How many people had Texas and Arizona in the World Series last year? Come exactly. on. How about exactly. That? The game has changed. It truly is just get in. Just get in. And it's a little series. And anything can happen in a little series. Going back to football, Marty, we got to look out for the Detroit Lions now. I know. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> All right, guys, I truly appreciate it. Marty, throughout the year, we will definitely have you on as as you know how much you mean to us on this program, how much you've meant to me in my career, how much you've mm-hmm. meant to my family with all the stuff you've helped us with. Ken Korak, we know we love you. And, Marty, I'm not going to forget. Marty's the captain. He's the captain. Marty, I'm not going to forget. Good luck. (laughs) Good luck, Townie. We'll talk again. (laughs) Good luck. Thanks, Townie. Thank you, Commander. (laughs) All right, guys. See ya. See ya. Two San Francisco Bay Area Radio Hall of Famers right there. Two legends. All right. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening to A's Cast Live on A's Cast. We truly appreciate it. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay dry. It's going to be really, really wet. Good luck to everybody. It's going to, right? It's going to be a lot of rain. Yeah, it's supposed to rain, yeah. But stay safe, and then we'll be back on Monday for Know Your Who? Reds. No, the, the Reds and the A's got some history, boy. Enjoy your weekend, and enjoy coming up next. It's the Athletics and the Royals right here on A's Cast and the A's Radio Network. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.